The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Welcome back, my friends. Thanks again for joining us today for another episode as we take time to study God's Word. If you've been following along with us, we have been for some time now in the book of Matthew as we've been studying the life of Christ from Matthew's account. And we've mentioned this throughout the study. It bears repeating again today as we look at the events and what was stated on the cross that we're going to see that there are some things um, that are going to be stated differently in different Gospels about the events that took place. What Jesus said is term terminology, what took place, what events took place, and that's no different today. Again, this is not a contradiction. This is just for us to be able to see the events from multiple perspectives through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So if you're following along with us, uh, with your Bible, tablet, or if you're driving, obviously at that point, just listen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 27. I'm going to pick up reading in verse 45. The Bible says, now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lamnastabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there heard it and said, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with wine, and put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, leave him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and save him. So the first thing we see is we see to an extent the spiritual battle. I see three things in the past we're going to look at. The spiritual torture that took place. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? This is an interesting perspective. Now we said this kind of in passing at the end of yesterday's episode. Uh, Jesus is part of the Trinity. And and, and please understand, uh, people like to go to the egg, they like to go to some simple things and, and say the Trinity is not that complicated. If we as humans, okay, God's creation think that the Trinity is not that complicated to understand, and we don't understand the vastness of the Trinity. When you see, like in the beginning, in Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created. The word God is plural, uh, and referencing more than one aspect of him. Um, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Um, so you got, you, there is a unique aspect when you study the scripture that to understand the Trinity. But we do know that they are one, one God, but all parts are God. God is God the Father. God is God the Son. God is God the Holy Spirit. None of them are separate. They have separate responsibilities. They have separate aspects and separate things they do. For instance, in salvation, you have God has designed salvation. Jesus has purchased salvation. Holy Spirit convicts of salvation. And we could go on and, and a lot of things like that. In this passage, you see something unique to an extent where one aspect of the Trinity turns his back on the other, where God turns his back on Jesus. Now, the question comes, why? Why would God do that? Well, the simple answer is the weight of all of our sin, the punishment of our sin was placed on Jesus. So you have to understand the full ramification of what's taking place here. If we remember, Jesus did not go to the cross because of anything he had done. He went to the cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. So while on the cross, God threw all of our sin on him. All the sin that would have been committed up to that day and all the sin that was committed from them to eternity future. All of our sin, and that's obviously the case, we weren't alive at that, at that point. All of our sin was paid for at that day, which means, think about this, all of the guilt that we 
feel as a result, Jesus felt, having never understood that feeling, right? Because he never had sinned. All of the regret, all of the battle, all of the things that come when we sin, all of the fear, all this junk that comes with it was on him. And then Jesus turned his back. God turned his back on him. Please understand, God has never left, but it's intriguing. The Bible says, if we hide or guard iniquity in our heart, God will not hear us. There is a point where we choose to allow sin in our life that God says, listen, I'm here, but I will choose not to listen as long as we allow sin to separate us. This is a picture of that, where God turned his back. It's the first time in eternity past, in eternity future, where God, it was a part of the uh, um, Trinity was separated. It was a spiritual torture that Jesus had to go through, but he went through it for you and I. There's so much more that takes place on the cross. Now, they immediately thought he was talking about Elijah because of the language he was speaking in, and they mocked him with it. Um, they, one went to give him a drink. He didn't take it. Everyone else saying, no, 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 let, let him torture. They just really wanted him to be tortured. Well, then let's go on. Let's continue, and let's move on to um, verse 50. And Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, released his spirit. Now, at this point, you're talking about the last comment Jesus made, and then he died. Now, if you go, I believe it's the book of John, you're going to see that the last comment, it's not just a scream. He had one more comment, and what he stated at the cross at this point was, it is finished. Uh, the Greek word to tell us, die, it is finished. It is complete. What is he referencing? The purchase of our pardon, the reconciliation of God to man. Salvation had been purchased. It was done. Everything he needed to do to to endure the torture and to pay for your sin and my sin had been completed. He could finally say it is done, and then he could die. He could have given it up, but he released. It's interesting that it says uh, he released his spirit. He allowed death. He didn't have to. He could, he could heal himself. He allowed death to take his human form. He allowed this to take place. Now, here's the intriguing part you're going to see in this passage is there's a whole list of things that are going to take place. The moment, first of all, I did skip this part. Let me go back at the beginning. It talks about the sixth to the ninth hour be about our 12 o'clock to three o'clock, noon to three. There was darkness over all the land. So you have to understand the, the ambiance of what's going on. There's darkness. I would say probably quite dark. Uh, uh, great darkness, which grabs attention in the middle of the day. That shouldn't happen. I've heard some say, well, it's, a, it's an eclipse, you know, lunar eclipse or something. That's not possible. The time of the day and the time of the year it was, the moon and, you know, during the Passover, the, time, the moon and the sun were separate. This was just a supernatural thing where people were getting to know this is God. Um, so let's go through the other things that took place when Jesus, when Jesus actually died. Verse 51, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The ground shook and the rocks split. Let's just go with the first two. The first thing that happened was the, temp, the, the veil in the temple was rent. Now, first of all, top to bottom, lets you know that's not something a human could have done. Uh, and frankly, if you understood, I won't go into it for time, but if you understood how thick the veil between those two were, it's not possible that, one, that they could have ripped it. God splits it. Why? Because Romans says that when we sin, we are separated from God. In the temple was a picture of that separation. You go from the whole holy place to the holy of holies. Only the priest could enter. That was the presence of God. Because of sin, Jesus in his completion separated that veil. Why? Now any of us can come into the presence of God. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through a preacher. We can go into the, into the presence of God because sin has been dealt with. It wasn't atoned or covered for in the Old Testament. It had been paid for. And that is the one thing. And then, then there was a huge earthquake to the point where rocks would break. That's how it excessive this earthquake was. Verse 52, the graves also were open, and many bodies of the saints who, who had died were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city um, and appeared to many. Now, you've got to catch this. 
many say this is where zombies walked the earth. People who had died, their bodies came and walked around to the point where other people recognized him. Now, we don't have any more information as to why this happened. We really don't. Uh, it does say um, it came out of the graves after his resurrection, so it took place. But we, it is intriguing, though, that they came and walked, people they would have known. The premise that, when I read the premise that most people are going to believe, it's just one more of this, all these supernatural things that take place. It's one more reminder to the world this was the Messiah, this was Jesus, that this is the fulfillment of prophecy, the cross was necessary. It's all of what these things were. It was a reminder, it's a supernatural reminder of what was happening here. Many people, because they don't look into a lot of this, don't even realize that this part took place. That was a, a truly intriguing aspect of it. Um, now, I love this part, verse 54, when the centurion and those with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they feared greatly and said, truly, he was the Son of God. Now, I think this is important because this is not a follower of Jesus. This is just a Gentile centurion. His job was to keep guard so nobody would steal the bodies off the cross. He's doing this, and now all of a sudden, it comes to realize this was not an ordinary man. All these supernatural things taking place are proof. And then he states, this was truly, this was the Son of God. Now, I will state this, and I, I don't make a big deal about the different translations and things of that nature, but I know I've seen one where what they said in this passage was truly, this was a righteous man. You can't change the passage and say this was a righteous man and say you're not taking away the deity of God. So just be careful that when you're using translations that in passages like this, you're not eliminating the deity of God from this. The centurion did not look up and say he was a good man, a righteous man. He said this is the Son of God. He acknowledged the deity of Jesus on the cross, and that is an important thing. There's a couple more things at the end. We see many who were there watching from afar followed Jesus from Galilee, serving him, among whom was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Joseph, the mother of Zebedee's sons. You have people, women watching. So you have a, a supernatural, uh, the, you have this, this, this spiritual torture that he went through. Then you went through his comments, his final words, and then you have the response, a supernatural breakthrough. Really, it, it were because of the death, the world was shook as a result of what took place. It's a reminder that this was not just a common death. This was God allowing death to take his mortal flesh. The Bible says in Philippians, taking on the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashions of men. He humbled himself, catch this, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, the premise of this is simple. He became obedient to death. He didn't have to be. Sin brought death. He was not a sinful man. He did not have to die. He chose to allow death to take his human form to complete the process because in Romans, the wages of sin is death. He had to fulfill this. He became obedient to something that was not his because he had never sinned. He was not subject to that law as we are today, but he allowed himself to become subject to that for us. As we look at this, uh, just remember that God didn't have to go through this, but he chose to. Now, people say he had to because it was God's command, and it's true. But in all reality, he chose to do this for us, to give us what Romans says, the gift of God is eternal life, what Ephesians says, for by grace shall we save through faith, and not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, as any man should boast, that is the premise of what the cross offers. This is what he did to purchase salvation for us. If you've yet to ever call upon Jesus, I hope you consider the truth of what we're looking at today. This is just not a, a religious story to talk about Easter. This is the truth of what Jesus did in history and literally transformed uh, religion, transformed life as we know it, and today still the truth that we hold to for hope and eternity. 
Thanks again for joining us today as we took a look into the Word of God. I hope this is an encouragement. I hope you're reminded of how much Jesus loved us to go through this and endure this for us. And I hope we're all eternally grateful and never, ever take the truth of this, this, this account lightly. Thanks for joining us again today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.